go. I love garlic. I know. Mm. I, in that butter, I used twice the amount of butter and half the amount of garlic. And it was that garlicky. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I feel bad for people who follow the recipes. I don't know what to say. Okay. Maybe the ghosts in here like or dislike garlic butter. Okay, if you like garlic know, butter. No, no. Give us another sign. No. <laughs> Great. Well, welcome to Who Knew. Oh, you were recording the whole time? Yep. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Should I, uh... No, it's fine. That's a perfect intro. Oh, great. I love it. Oh, good. It's perfect. We've got a new podcast pup with us today. Yeah, so we've got three dogs um, in the house with us, and one of them is scared of everything. everything. <laughs> um, if you blink wrong, if you stand up and she's not ready for you to stand up... She runs. She runs away. And she just willy-nilly came up in in the podcast room she's never been in here before not with us here yeah she'll like wander in if we leave the door open on her own but yeah. then the moment we like know she's in there she like scurries away <laughs> but and yeah so that's a big step huh bubba yeah she's made so many big steps she's not she's so scared she's just not as scared yeah she was a rescue yep precious may she may she oh. precious may she rescued her <laughs> Yes, it's been a long journey with this one. Bear was also a rescue, and she was a very easy rescue, and I think Ronnie is not the complete opposite. as easy. <laughs> um, okay, are you ready? I'm ready. Are you excited? Do you, yeah, do you want to you wanna tell me about your week? Because it seems like a tradition that we do every week, but we don't have to do that. Sure. Okay. No, it's been a big week. We had all week off. We did. We had vacation. Mm-hmm. I cut my hair. I cut all of it off. Cut all of it off. It looks yep. so good. It is the best thing I've we done We need to take a, a picture time. together so we can put it on the podcast Instagram. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. Um. So that was a big thing. We did a lot of home improvement. We had a... Very special date day yesterday. Yes. We watched six of the eight Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Mm-hmm. All day. there's nine total movies, but the collection we bought just has eight. Yeah. It doesn't have the latest one. That came out in 2010 Correct. or something? Correct. I think that one was just the remake of the original. Correct. Which I got really bad reviews, so I'm not that sad about it. We're going to find it and watch it, I'm though. sure we will, but yeah. I'm not that sad that it's not in the collection. Right. So we did that. It was super fun and spoopy. <gasps> Macy made creme brulee all by herself, mm-hmm. and it tasted phenomenal. It turned out really well. It was so good. Mm-hmm. We had two servings each. <laughs> Maybe it was one serving divided into small... Cut, no. <laughs> I, whatever it was, it was delicious, and I don't care. Okay. 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 <laughs> Yeah, it was a good week. It was a very good week. I had a lot of week. fun. Same. Mm-hmm. Okay, you ready? I'm ready now. Okay, you got your drink? I do have my beverage. Good. Beveragino. Beveragino. <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to be telling you about a ghost ship called the SS Urong Madan. Perfect. Mm-hmm. So, I want to preface this with a short disclaimer that this may or may not be real records of it are a little bit scarce and a little bit um folklory so 
do you lean more on the side of it being real? I love or? it. I love the story, so yes. Okay. Yeah. You're just erring on the side of caution since there's not so much proof. Yep. Yeah, okay. there's not. Yeah. Got it. Every source I found was like a page long. Oh. Yeah. That's <laughs> awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're going to go back to June of 1947. Um, several sips. Sips. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Several ships traveling along the Straits of Malacca, which is this area that's situated around Sumatra and Malaysia. Yeah. It's like a heavily um, trafficked trade route. Um, And these ships uh, received an SOS from an unknown ship. The message was divided into two parts, and it said, All officers, including the captain, are dead, lying in chart room and bridge, possibly whole crew dead. And then the second message came through, and it said, I die. And this was all Morse code? Mm-hmm. How long would it have taken to type out these messages? Phenomenal question. I don't know. You know, like, you hear, like, people doing Morse code. I don't, I don't understand I feel like it takes it. forever. I feel like it takes yeah, a long time I feel time like it takes to... forever, but those guys go so fast. I, I don't. It's like an auctioneer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is, yeah. I don't like that last message, though. The I die no, part. No, that's fucked. The whole thing is super eerie, and yeah, they didn't know who it was coming from, so they're like, this is weird. Is this a prank? I was about to say, watch, it's a bunch of teenagers, <laughs> like, on their dad's like, yacht. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so funny. That'd be so funny. <laughs> so, enough ships got it, and they were like, oh, this is kind of weird. We might as well check it out. They all kind of communicate with each other, and they um, decide that two American ships... We're going to go and try and find the the ship in question that was sending the message. So, Did they get, like, a location from these messages or, like, a No, so a what they did area? is they got help from, from British and Dutch ships, which used the messages to triangulate the coordinates from which it came from. Oh. So two points and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It's kind of like I don't know one the one. of it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. So they figured out the coordinates. So ultimately, an American merchant ship ended up going to the coordinates. It was called uh, the Silver Star. Okay. And the captain wasted no time. He, like, got that message, and he's like, nope, we're going. So he turns the ship around towards the coordinates of the mystery ship, and several hours later, the lookout on board saw a ship, and it was the Oorong Madan. As the ship pulled alongside the Oorong Madan, no signs of life were observed, at least on the outer decks and mm-hmm. efforts to contact the crew from inside their ship were unsuccessful so they tried to like use speakers and use various communication methods to try and talk to them right there and they couldn't do it so gotcha they ended up gathering some of the crew to physically go up on board and search for crew members um as soon as the search party boarded the Urong Madan they realized all those messages were completely accurate that they'd gotten Oh, gosh. They saw corpses of the Dutch crew who were all over the ship. The eyes of each corpse stared wide open, um, and then their faces were twisted up like they were literally scared to death. That's creepy. That is so creepy. Yes. The ship's dog even died. It was snarled. Not the dog. Yep. The captain was found on the bridge where the captain would be found. The rest of the officers were found in the chart room and the wheelhouse, and then the radio operator, who was suspected, obviously, of being the one who sent the messages, 
uh, was found dead at the station he sent them from. So, like, still where he was, like, sitting, sending yep. everything? Yep. He's oh. right there. He still had the headphones on everything. So, they're like, what the fuck is going on? Oh, my <laughs> God. Um, A few weird things. The temperature on the ship was not the same as it was outside. So, it was about 100 degrees outside. Uh-huh. And often the search party found themselves randomly getting goosebumps, getting chills, cold within the ship, which was odd. Okay. None of the dead exhibited any visible injuries that would account for their deaths. So they kind of looked um, visually as much as they could, and they couldn't find anything obvious. Right. Bodies were decaying much quicker than normal, and the ship was not damaged in any way, shape, or form. Okay. So then Silver Star is like, okay, we need to tow this ship. Um, The ship needs to go to salvage, and then we need to figure out who... Like, we need to take it back to its its homeland so that the crew can be buried correctly. Right. So, they get a tether, and they tether the Urang Madan to the Silver Star. And once they, they were getting ready to leave to tow the ship out, and then they started seeing, the crew started seeing smoke coming out of the number four car, cargo hold. So, what? immediately, they're like, we gotta untether these ships. Something is up. So, they untether the ships. And right after they got the tethers off, the Urangmadan exploded. It was, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Keep talking. I was okay. going to ask a question. Okay. The incident was officially mentioned for the first time by the Coast Guard, the U.S. Coast Guard, in 1952. Okay. So that is about five years after it happened. Yeah. But no official mentions happened prior to that. Was it like classified documents or it was just like nothing? Who's to say? The record keeping was not as it is now. Right. So... There's because of the lack of re- resolution with that ending. Um, there's been all kinds of speculation on what actually happened. So one theory is that the boat was carrying hazardous materials in those cargo holds, and that's kind of a really good theory, I think, because of the way it just exploded. Mm-hmm. Right. So was there not any record of? Not like you can find all of the, the records. Yeah, it would be on the boat. Probably, but there wasn't like. A distributor that had given them the product that was like, oh, yeah, that was the boat that we put XYZ on. And, yeah, it did have hazardous material. So the Urong Madan might have been involved in smuggling operations oh, so. of chemical substances such as a combination of potassium cyanide and nitroglycerin or even wartime stocks of nerve agents. Oh, so the things that you obviously should inhale. Eh, and it's probably not going to be carry. on the records. Yeah. 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 Great. Not above board. That makes sense. They would say. Cool. So according to the, that theory, seawater would have entered the ship's hold, reacting with the cargo to release toxic gases, which then caused the crew to uh, succumb to asphyxia or poisoning. And then later that seawater would have reacted with the nitroglycerin, which caused the reported fire and then subsequent explosion. I like that one. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, another theory is that the ship was transporting nerve gas, which is kind of part of uh, the first one, but is more specific to um, Japan in that the Japanese military had been storing um, this nerve gas in China during the war, which was handed over to the U.S. military at the end of the war. No U.S. ship could transport it as it would leave a paper trail, was therefore loaded onto a non-registered ship for transport to the U.S. or an island in the Pacific, so... Yeah. It could be as well, and it would be the same outcome. Yeah. 
if any kind of water got into there, seawater is not great when it comes to, like, chemical reactions and things like that. Yeah, and I, I can see why. Right, and so um, another theory is that the crew succumbed to carbon monoxide poisoning. That could happen from, like, an undetected smoldering fire or a malfunction ship's boiler system, which could have been the cause of the shipwreck in the, yeah, in the beginning. And then escaping carbon monoxide would have caused the deaths of everybody on board, with the fire slowly spraying out of control, leading to the explosion. So, Do any of these theories cover the fact that everyone looked terrified and a dog was snarling mm-hmm. while it was dead? I... I mean, I don't know how one would look if they suffocated to death. I think I would look more panicked than terrified. Yeah, but that's all speculation. Five years after the fact. True, true. And, I mean, none of that... That that first report came from the Coast Guard. Coast Guard wasn't even the ones who found the ship. Right. So, I don't know. It's probably up to interpretation of whoever was on board, like... Right. I don't know. Yeah. Public interest in the story of the Oorong Madan is reflected in some correspondence that was sent to the CIA. So, in December of 1959, a guy named C.H. Mark Jr., who was from Scottsdale, Arizona, sent a private letter to the director of the CIA, Alan Dulles. Within that letter, he asked Alan Dulles if they believed the story of the Oorong and whether it had to do with something. Like, a lot of people thought... Because of the reasons that you mentioned, that it was maybe something paranormal, like something spoopy on the board on board of of the ship mm-hmm. that scared everybody to death. Yeah. Um. So this guy, uh, Mark, basically retells the story that I told you in the letter, and then asks what Alan Dulles thinks of it. And uh, the letter ended up being released to the public in two thousand three. Basically. The CIA, like, wrote him back. And so they didn't uh, necessarily prove or disprove anything or really give anything. But the fact that they wrote him back at all. Yeah. And that the writings were classified up until 2003 is really interesting to me. Um, I feel like the CIA probably gets a lot of fan mail. Yeah. And a lot of it is probably... I'm not saying everybody's weird. a nut job, but like people a with like people weird. Are. We literally just had an episode about conspiracies. I like, would never in even... a million years think to write the CIA for anything. Yeah, but I'm you sure there's I mean? a lot of people that think that there's a lot of yeah. conspiracy weird shit going on, and I can't blame them for yep. mailing in. But I doubt that they get responded back to. Right, and so there's some back and forth between uh, this guy Mark and the CIA, and some of the correspondence was. Uh, Signed, you know, um, on behalf of Mr. Dulles, which is the head of the CIA, which is a big deal. Um, That's pretty much all I have. I don't have a lot for this. What? That's it? Yeah. You're just going to leave me (laughs) high and dry with the... I don't know what else you... How did we find out about the Orang Madan? We found out from, and that's why we drink. (laughs) And? Well, so we played a game. Um, called Man of Madon, which we did not know was based off of this until we listened to an episode of, and that's why we drink, and quite honestly, M does a much better job of telling the story than I did. I purposely did not go and re-listen to that, because I was afraid that I would just regurgitate every single thing that, that they say. 
And that's not cool. So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing about this story is it is um, short because literally this message got sent. People went out to the ship to find it. They find it. They find all these bodies and it's creepy as fuck. And then it's gone. I'm just, I guess I'm just confused as to how, like, I guess I don't know how it works to be on, like, it was like a cargo ship. Mm -hmm. I've never worked on a cargo ship. I've never seen one in person. But I find it hard to believe that every single person was in the ship where, like, these toxic materials possibly leaked and killed them. Right. And from what I could find, it didn't really specify if, like, these people were out on the outer decks. Because obviously if you have access to fresh air, you're probably good and you're probably not going to die. But right. it, from what I understand, everybody who was dead was probably within the confines of the ship. But, like, when you said that the, the what was it, the silver, the star, silver, silver star mm -hmm. came up, they couldn't see anything from the outside, so that makes me believe that nobody was even out there, like, dead or alive. Right, but I don't know what the ship looked like. That's true. I don't know what you could see or what you couldn't see. Um, the the story is <clears throat> inspired the movie Ghost Ship. Yes. If you've ever seen that. And it's inspired Man of Madon, which is a really fun game that we enjoyed. Um, it's like a decision-making game. Yeah, it's like the sequel or series uh, from um, Until Dawn. Mm -hmm. So if you've ever played that. Until Dawn's super good. If you I haven't played it, I recommend it mm -hmm. so much. And they're doing like a whole anthology series um, where it's all decision-based. And you, if you make the right decisions, you, you people live. And if you don't, people die. And your like storylines change, characters change. It's based really on cool. what you do, which is really cool. So the premise of this game was a group of, um, I think it was like college students were going on a dive. They end up getting uh, basically kidnapped by this Somalian pirate group and they're being taken somewhere. And then all of a sudden there's this big storm in the middle of the night and the ship basically r almost runs into uh, the Oorang Madan. And it doesn't do any justice to this story because you don't get any backstory about no. the i had no idea why it was even named that until i heard this story and i'm like oh my god man of madon wrong madon like it does not delve into any of yeah. that which is unfortunate the I think. downside <laughs> i felt about the man of madon mo movie the game it was so quick yeah. I, we finished it in like i felt like an hour yeah i don't i think it was probably more than an hour but yeah. it was done super fast yeah and i think that company is really pushing to pump out games because yeah. until dawn was so popular and so but i've heard the same thing about that one and the one after a, a good quality game, game that's yeah. worth my time than something that's like oh i'm finished it yeah <laughs> that was weird yeah yeah anyways so that's you wrong madon what do you what do you think i think I there had to have been some kind of like toxic material on the ship that I, just makes the most sense. There would have to be. Because, I mean, if you think about, like, anything paranormal, like, it's not going to kill every single person on board. Someone's going to jump off ship or something. Yeah. And I feel like if it was something paranormal, the Morse code dude would have said that in his message. Be like, this shit's haunted. Help, bro. I'm unsure <laughs> what I would say. I literally would say what I, I just like said. If, this I shit's feel like haunted. If I said, this shit's haunted. People would be like, these are some kids pranking us. We're not going out there. 
Okay, maybe I'd be a little bit more professional, but... I want to know how long between the <clears throat> the dude writing that, or sending that out, and his him dying was. Because it seems like he didn't move, obviously, from... I think that's their job, <clears throat> though. I think they have to just, like, sit there and continually monitor the messages that are coming in and out. Yeah. It's like a telephone operator. I don't know. I don't know. It's I also stupid. feel like if it was some kind of toxic material like why you wouldn't know what's going on so you wouldn't know how to react to it right like and we we're wouldn't not know how to so it's right. like how do you troubleshoot it's like all of a sudden i'm standing here and i can't breathe and right. my insides are burning right i don't know how these materials like would that. make you react but that's what i'm picturing considering the looks on their faces that's a, seems like a good guess yeah but at the same time if that were me and I can't breathe, I would want to go out to the fresh air. So I'm, like, wondering, like, obviously we always wonder what's going on, but. I, I, that's the thing is I don't know how fast or slow it happened. I, I just have no idea. Do so. you think if we knew the time frame between the first message and the last message, it would give us a better idea as to what happened? Because it's like, oh, we know that CO takes X amount of time Probably. before you get sure. death. Sure. But I guess it also amounts to, like, levels time of exposure mm-hmm. amount of exposure i don't know when i am not a doctor it, there's just not enough record of it yeah to really know um and we don't even know if it's real because we didn't like it, it didn't really surface until five years after it supposedly happened right even the year that it happened is disputed among all the sources i read really yeah that's crazy yeah so i mean Part of me is like this. I think the fact that the CIA acknowledged it, there's something more to it. Gives a little, yeah, lends a little bit of cre- credit to it, but we just don't know. Ugh, I don't like these ones that we can ask a million questions about and I get know, no answers. As soon as I was like, "Yep, well, that's all I got," you're like, "What?" That's just <laughs> blows my mind. That's it. I know, and I've listened to M's portion of. <clears throat> their story and they like, I'm getting I don't know what I mean I can't even remember what all they talked about because it's been so long since I listened to the episode but yeah. for some reason I didn't feel like that abrupt ending yeah <laughs> but maybe it was just because they go right into Christine's story yeah or an ad maybe we'll have to re-listen to it and then re-record the no I don't think so I like ending. no I like their like reason for not listening to it yeah I felt like that was basically what i did for the susan powell disappearance was i just listened to cold and just regurgitated everything that dave collie yeah. Ca- i think that's his name um did all of his years of research on yeah <sighs> i don't know it's just such an interesting story i wrote a research paper on the susan powell disappearance for school and um it was supposed to be no longer than six pages and i barely Made it six pages long. I cut so much out. I was felt like I was doing no justice, but whatever. How long were your notes? My notes for the podcast were eight pages long. <laughs> so you had to do a whole page. I had two to, pages. Less I than cut just out your basic so much. Notes. I cut out basically everything about Steve. Yeah. I cut out basically everything about um Josh's past. Yeah. I basically just talked about. I started with the day Susan disappeared. Did a timeline after that, which took five pages so in my last page and a half i was like um 
this is who I think did it, and this is why I think spy. <laughs> it was so bad. <sighs> Whatever. Anyways, if you haven't listened to that episode, it's one of our favorites. Mm-hmm. It was just a fun episode to cover, and I think yeah. we'll have to do another episode about like family annihilators again. I know. It was a lot of fun. We should do we that really soon. Do. We really do. Like in January. I like maybe? this stuff, but I like that stuff a lot. Yeah. I'm down. We can do whatever we want. This is our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, are you guys ready to listen to what I got? Yeah. Because I... You have more than I have. I do. I surprisingly do because I remember texting you earlier today when I was like, how many pages do you have? Because I only have like two pages. I was like, two. I was like, shit. <laughs> but I managed to get it to five pages because I added another small topic that relates to my topic. So, along the lines of, like, haunted ships and stuff, I originally was going to talk about Pearl Harbor, but that's not really a haunted ship. It's just, like, a historical thing that, like, the SS USS Arizona has, like, some haunting sightings there. So, maybe eventually I'll cover it, but yeah. for this one, I was a little bit more passionate about talking about Davy Jones's locker and the Flying Dutchman. Cool. Super cool. So, Davy Jones's locker is a metaphor for the bottom of the sea, or like the seabed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically referred to as like the graveyard or afterlife for ships and sailors. And so it's like not just people; it's things that are sea related. Okay, that makes sense. Um, Davy Jones is basically looked at as a sailor's devil or evil god of the seas, and historians aren't really able to trace an exact origin of the term, but they suspect it possibly goes back centuries and that it was passed through generations like a game of telephone. Like, yeah, who knows what it originally started as, but this is what we have today. Mm. So, Davy Jones's locker is often connected to. The Flying Dutchman, which we'll get into more later, but just a brief connection there, though it's unknown on what the exact source is. Again, according to marineinsight.com, there are ties that Davy Jones refers to a David Jones, Hmm. and he was a pirate captain who sailed his ship across the Indian Ocean in 1630. And this is rejected because historians state that David Jones wasn't popular enough to become a legend like Davy Jones. How rude. Yeah. Like, who are you to say that he wasn't popular enough? But, I mean, I guess they're the ones that, like, study this shit, so they probably know how popular some things are. But that was just kind of funny when I read that. Um, Another possibility is Davy Jones, who is a person who had run a British pub. And this version of Davy Jones um, made his customers drunk and imprisoned them in his locker oh my God. only to sell them off to ship owners as slaves. Oh, my God. I know. Um, the pub owner later becomes a pirate after his pub goes bankrupt. He steals a ship and sails across the Atlantic and captures other ships and the crew aboard. And while he decapitates most of the crew members of the ships that he captures, the remaining that he did not behead, they would be locked up and they would sink the vessel that they were in. So they'd basically drown to death. I don't like that version because it's (laughs) very messed up, but it would fit the lore. Mm -hmm. Um, For some, Davy Jones is an infamous sailor named Duffer Jones. Um, <laughs> who would name that kid Duffer? Duffer! I'm so sorry if your name's Duffer. 
like anybody named Duffer is listening to our podcast. If you are named Duffer, please send us an email. <laughs> I would be so pleased to meet you. Um, and I will refer to you as Davy Jones only. He, oh no, I'm so sorry, Duffer. I forgot about this. <laughs> so this particular Duffer Jones is famous because he often fell into the sea from his ship. <laughs> often? Often. He'd you be, have to go fish him out? Yeah, he'd oh. just fall into the water from his ship, apparently. Um, in the 19th century, there is a book that was called Dictionary of Phrase and Fable, and Davy Jones was referred to as the Ghost of Jonah. According to Sailor Superstitions, Jonah is referred to as an expression of someone who is bad luck, which is based off of the biblical prophet Jonah. And according to the Bible, if you're not familiar, which I was not, um, God punished Jonah for his disobedience and he became the, quote, devil of the seas, after which the crew abroad his vessel killed him. I thought he got swallowed by a whale. According to... What is that? According to MarineInsight.com, I believe that's where I got this part from. That's what they said. I don't know if you are a biblical folk. I'm pretty sure he got swallowed by a whale. Maybe what happened is that they killed him, threw him out in the sea, and he got swallowed by a whale. Okay, no? Well. No, because the whole story is like him. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. I have another bullet point that I forgot about. Another version of the Jonas story refers to the prophet who happened to spend a few days inside the whale and connects his days in the tract of a whale with the Davy Jones's locker. Is that more along to the yeah. story you were thinking of? Cool. Yeah. Perfect. I would have felt like such an idiot if I didn't actually have the right biblical reference. <laughs> no, not that Jonah. This Jonah. <laughs> the other uh, right Jonah. There's a lot of Jonas. Um, so... <laughs> That's it for the Jonah reference. Among Welsh seafaring community, Davy Jones refers to their patron saint, St. Davis. They believe St. Davis is saving them from the harsh nature of the ocean. And according to this legend, St. Davis will only protect the good sailors, while the immoral seafarers will be sent to Davy Jones's locker. Hmm. Um, some theories also suggest that Davy Jones comes from the name of Duppy. The West Indian malevolent ghost, according to the lore, according to the lore that did rounds among the people in the islands, Duppy comes out in the night to haunt people. How scary could he be? I know his name's <laughs> Duppy. Imagine I imagine him being like a little guppy fish. We're like, Wah! Duppy the guppy. Yes, Ooh. I love it. As I found this on MarineInsight.com, they advise that most of these claims lack any cre credible evidence. Um, they're mostly just stories told by sailors and passed on from generations. It doesn't mean that it's not entertaining. Mm -hmm. I really like Duppy. <laughs> and the next animal we get has to be named Duppy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we'll see. If it's missing a leg, can we name it Duppy? If you get a guppy fish, we can name the guppy guppy. Okay, well, I'm disappointed, but I will continue. The earliest known reference of Davy Jones is in the book Four Years' Voyages of Captain George Roberts by the author Daniel Defoe, and it was published in 1726 in London. Daniel Defoe states, Some of Lowe's company said they would look out 
some things and give me along with me when I was going away. But Ruffle told them they should not, for he would toss them all to into Davy Jones's locker if they did. So that's a quote from the book. God, I'm glad we live when we do and not in the 1700s. I didn't understand anything I just yeah. said, so yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, another reference to Davy Jones uh, occurs in Tobias Smollett's The Adventures of Perigreen Pickle, published in 1751. I hope I'm saying all that correctly. I didn't look up how to pronounce anything. I was at work and I couldn't just repeatedly play <laughs> things over again. Pickle. Pickle. <laughs> no, Pickle. I'm talking about peregrine. It's it's P E R E G R I N E. Peregrine. There we go. Peregrine. <laughs> pickle. I know how to say pickle. That's my favorite food. Okay, so a quote in this book is This same Davy Jones, according to sailors, is the fiend that presides over all evil spirits of the deep and is often seen in various shapes, perching among the rigging on the eve of hurricanes, shipwrecks, and other disasters to see which seafaring life is exposed, waning the devoted wretch of death and woe. That was all one sentence, just a bunch of commas, by the way. So he was not very good at sentence structure. But in 1751, did they care? No. Um, Also in the story, Davy Jones is described to have saucer eyes, three rows of teeth, horns, a tail, and blue smoke coming from his nostrils. Ew. Yeah. So I think that kind of feeds into him being like a devil of the seas. Um. But it's not like what's on uh, pirates too, in the Caribbean. Yeah, I'll get to that in a second. Um, not all traditions dealing with Davy Jones are fearful, though. I'm not really sure what this means. I don't think I'm familiar with a lot of nautical terms Lore. and logo oh. and not logo lingo and stuff like that. But if you are, you probably know what I'm talking about. I probably should have done more research on that, but. In traditions associated with sailors crossing the equatorial line, it is seen more as a celebration of, like, surviving, I guess. Um, So now we're going to the media of, like, what has covered Davy Jones, because it's kind of a huge pop culture thing, I think. During the 19th century, Davy Jones and his locker appeared in a number of naval and adventure fiction. Washington Irving's Adventures of the Black Fisherman, which was published in 1824, as well as Edgar Allan Poe's 1835 novel King Pest. Um, So those are two prominent examples of works that mention something about Davy Jones and his locker. Um, Also, the 1959 Broadway musical Davy Jones's Locker with Bill Bard's Marionettes, they had a two-week run at the Morosco Theater on Broadway. That was interesting to read. In the 1960s, there was a television series called The Monkees, and there was an episode called Hitting the High Seas, where um, the character Davy Jones receives special treatment while kidnapped on a ship as he claims to be related to the original Davy Jones, who is his grandfather. Meanwhile, all of his fellow... Um, band members are held hostage leading to various funny situations and the main musician that's being getting the special treatment his name is davy jones so the fact that the musician shares a name with a legendary seafarer um it led to a number of puns itself and it's do you know the musician davy jones yeah i never heard of him so let me tell you guys about him 
He was born December 30th, 1945, and he died February of 2012. He is an English musician, singer, actor, and businessman. He had a band and the TV show that I just mentioned named The Monkees. And he, uh, some, like, things that he's, like, notable about is that he was a Tony-nominated um, actor for his performance as Artful Dodger in the London huh. and Broadway productions of Oliver. Yeah. And then he also guest starred on an episode of The Brady Bunch, just for two of the major things that he did. He did a whole bunch of other things. Mostly was his band, The Monkees, and then this TV show spinoff. So, well... It's not so really it's, a spinoff, but... So it's kind of the opposite, because the band was created for the TV show. Oh, really? Yeah. So the band was created for the TV show, The Monkees, so... Originally, it was just like a TV band, mm-hmm. um, and then people liked the music. Oh, and so they actually like started. I didn't do that much research into it. And yeah, yeah, it's really funny. That's awesome. Yeah. Um. So uh, there's a cartoon called The Haunted Ship, that's from Aesop's Fables series, which was produced by the Van Buren Animated Studio studios um davy jones is depicted as a living skeleton wearing a pirate hat so just one depiction we're all aware as macy said earlier that davy jones is being used in movies such as pirates of the caribbean which i hope we've all seen because those are some of my favorite movies (laughs) but in pirates of the caribbean davy jones is portrayed portrayed as an enigma of the sea he has octopus arms for a beard and a crab claw for a hand he keeps his heart in his chest as a memory of his love's betrayal um which was the sea goddess calypso and a chest or in in a chest he keeps his heart in a chest not in his physical chest like a locking chest um that yeah that's a little deceiving sorry i wrote it like that (laughs) no you're good when i was reading it i was like oh yeah chest uh, because i've seen the movie so i like knew which chest it was referencing (laughs) i didn't think about whoops um so davy jones was assigned to ferry those drowned at sea to the afterlife and according to the pirates of the caribbean interpretation though he abandoned all of that to became a to become a cruel sailor and captain of the Flying Dutchman after the betrayal of his love and out of anger had an everlasting greed for violence. Hmm. Um, that was cool. So this depiction of Davy Jones with Calypso comes from, um, it's based off of a novella, Davy Jones in the Heart of Darkness by Dave Mentalbano. I hope I'm saying that right. And it was illustrated by Rachel Galvin. Uh, Calypso is the name of a nymph in Homer's The Odyssey. So, yeah. Scottish origins are consistent with that legend as well. Uh, But the novella includes Davy Jones's training aboard the Inferno with Sharon, who is the ferryman of Hades. Um, Sharon? It's... Spelled C H A R O N, so I don't know if it's a, if it's a ch sound, if it's Charon, if it's Sharon, or if it's Karen, Karan. I don't know my. I don't know my Greek mythology that well. Sharon. 
Isn't that what I said? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're making me do the whole... I didn't make you do anything. <laughs> I just asked if the name was Sharon. So Davy Jones is also talked about in one of our favorite cartoons growing up. Scooby-Doo. No, SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, yeah. Um, which, if you don't know, Spongebob Squarepants is an animated American comedy television series created by, this is fun fact, it's fun because I didn't know it was created by a marine science educator and animator named Stephen Hillenburn. He created it for Nickelodeon. I didn't know he was a marine scientist. Okay, well, apparently I just don't know anything. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> um, Spongebob Squarepants shows the adventures of Sponge. Named SpongeBob SquarePants and all his friends in the town of Bikini Bottom. So, in this TV show, they use Davy Jones to represent an actual locker in the bottom of the sea where Davy Jones keeps his gym socks. And I remember, I like, I remember watching it when they said something about gym socks. I was like, oh my god, that's right. Because it's a locker. That's yeah. so funny. So funny. God, SpongeBob was so, like, smart. They were so good. We were too young to really appreciate <laughs> them. Um, Davy Jones is also popular in video games, or a video game in particular, called... Oh, God. <laughs> Man of Madan. No, Banjo-Tooie? It's B-A-N-J-O-T-O-O-I-E. Okay. Um, it was developed by Rare gaming platform whatever it's called they created it and it was originally released for nintendo 64 in 2000 it was the second game in the series i've never played it but if you look up pictures of it it looks super interesting um there was um a specific level of this game that was called jolly rogers lagoon and the infamous davy jones locker is found in the locker's cavern underwater apparently at that part of the level is where there's an angler fish and the boss i only kept this because of the boss's name is super funny lord woo fuck fuck <laughs> w o o f a k F-A-K. Phenomenal. I <laughs> love it. Um, I'm also going to butcher this. So there's a French singer, Nolwyn Leroy, Ugh. recorded a song titled Davy Jones for her 2012 album, Au Filet de Lou. Yep, that's what I'm sticking with. Yeah. Um, the English version contains lines, Davy Jones, oh Davy Jones, where are they going to rest your bones? Down in the deep blue sea, down in the deep blue sea. It's kind of catchy. I'm on a, yeah. I want to listen to that later. And then there's an American surf rock slash pump, punk, not pump, punk band, Rusty Ship. <laughs> I didn't realize the name until I said it out loud. That's funny. Uh, they released a song in late 2012 titled Davy Jones Ain't Got Nothing on Me, which makes several references to Davy Jones's locker and also is believed to make reference to the Flying Dutchman myth. This is especially prevalent in the lines, all of a sudden a ghost ship appears with a crew of souls who sing and I hear. Hmm. Yeah, so we might have to listen to those songs later. Cool. So now we're going to briefly discuss the Flying Dutchman. 
Cool. So it is a haunted ghost ship of sorts. It is a mainstay of maritime lore. It is a legendary ghost ship that is doomed to sail the oceans forever since it can't port due to rough waters. It originated in the 17th century, and there's a number of stories around the myth of the Flying Dutchman, kind of like Davy Jones. I don't really know where exactly it came from, but I'm going to cover all of the claims of what they think it did. Cool. Um, so... It is basically some, it's just a cursed vessel. Others suggest that the Dutchman itself refers to the captain of the ship who was destined not to make land despite all of his efforts. There have been references of the Flying Dutchman for more than two centuries and accounts differ. Few claim it was a spectral schooner. Um, some state it sails through fog or rough water, or it's only seen when um, the sh- they see the ship making great headway in calm waters. So, like, those are, like, the three things that people claim to see it while it's doing, like, in the fog, or if it's just right. full sail, or just chugging away. Um, so, right from the time the myth emerged in the 1600s, various sightings of the ghost vessel were reported in the Cape of Good Hope. All of these sightings happened when the weather was extremely stormy and the gales were lashing hard. According to the stories that were written down, the ghost vessel came across as a ba- as being caught in the storm and almost on the verge of colliding with rocks before suddenly vanishing into the darkness. The Dutchman is called the harbinger of death and destruction for those vessels which have sighted it. Prominent among these reports of sightings is one seen by the HMS Bacante. That was a British Royal Naval vessel in the year 1881. There was a Prince George V who was serving as a midshipman as part of the vessel crew. He is said to have sighted the ghost ship in the Australian waters around 4 o'clock in the morning. Um, The prince did not encounter any fatality. However, there was a seafarer who had first reported the sight of the ghost vessel, and he met his end after falling down the top mast, leading to further credibility that the sightings mm-hmm. lead to harm. Um, according to Marine Sight, or I'm sorry, MarineInsight.com, the sighting of the Flying Dutchman can be found in the Admiralty's official publications in the cruise of HMS Bacante. So there's like a book or series or something on that. According, nope, another recorded incident was when a British vessel came near to having a collision with the ghost ship on a stormy night in 1835. The vessel was approaching under full sail, but vanished suddenly. Also, another popular claim was in 1939 when a group of people at Blencairn Beach in Cape Town uh, reported seeing the haunted vessel sailing towards shore under full sail before disappearing. The latest sighting of the vessel was reported during World War II. Hmm. So it's kind of a ways away. Um According to those reports, a German submarine boat under the command of Nazi Admiral Karl Dantz sighted the Flying Dutchman during the voyage through the east of Suez. However, at this time, the oceanic realm seems to be quiet with the respective sightings of the Flying Dutchman, though its allure has not lessened in any manner. So it's kind of weird that it's, like, risen in popularity and people aren't claiming to see it. Yeah. But... That is weird. That is weird, right? But maybe not a cursed ship, but a cursed captain? According to some recounted folklore, the captain of the ship is 
Hendrik von der Decken. Good job. Yep. I'm going to call him Hendy. Okay. At least that's what I put in my notes. Okay. Hendy had some deep contemplation about the plight of his crew, and um, they were approaching a storm in the coast of the Cape that led to the ship being destroyed. These stories claim that Captain Hendy was working for Dutch East India Company during the early 17th century and was also one of the two men to have thought captained the Flying Dutchman, which is the name of the ship. Um, it was during one of the voyages to Amsterdam that Captain Hendy thought of establishing a settlement near the Cape of Good Hope in South Africa because the waters were rough as fuck. So, as the vessel started to round the Cape, a terrible storm hit, putting the vessel in danger of capsizing, though Angers, Angers, though sailors argued to Hendy to turn around, he ordered his crew to go ahead. In accordance with this demand, it has also been iterated about the captain's request that they bring the vessel around the Cape, even if it meant for him to sail the vessel into doomsday. This statement made by the captain while the vessel was in its last legs is said to have brought about the ghostly plight of the vessel and sail the seas forever without making ground at any port or harbor ever. Yeah. Don't ever say until doomsday when you're doing anything, because apparently it just curses you curses you and you're just staying there forever on the other hand another story suggests a fight between hendy and a rebel group in the vessel happened over his decision eventually it ended in the murder of a rebel leader as the body of the rebel leader hit the water the vessel spoke to captain hendrick and um (laughs) can you imagine if your vessel started to speak to you Um, and it spoke to him about his decision to press on, and Hendy replied that he will be attempting to reach his decision till the day of judgment, which is basically another thing you probably shouldn't say. True. Yeah. Um, so this incident led to the fate of the Flying Dutchman to sail the oceans for eternity with the ghostly crew of dead men. Um, in another alternate version of the folklore, the captain is said to be one whose onboard activities were satanic. And whose pride, when mm. encountered in a storm of the Cape, led to the ship being mercilessly tossed into the eye of the storm instead of turning back. And for the sense of courting danger, according to the folklore rendition, Hen- Hendy and the vessel were cursed to sail the oceans without ever making port or harbor. Wow. So basically the stories all have the same ending, just right. different how-tos. Sure. Um, so I unfortunately have a debunking okay. of this. Okay. So you may or may not believe it, but let's talk some science. There is such a thing called a superior mirage, or it's also known as Fata or Feta Morgana. Okay. Um, this is a natural optical illusion which occurs after moisture and atmospheric conditions combine with light and result in a displaced image of distant objects. It tricks our eyes into seeing objects that don't really exist. And it's kind of similar to like the mirages that you see in like movies of like people in deserts. Yeah. Seeing things that don't exist. Um, in the sea situation, however, it makes a ship that is beyond the limits of our natural vision visible by reflecting it on the water and makes it seem like the ship is floating above the sea line okay does that make sense yeah so that's how it can possibly be debunked but that doesn't explain how it just suddenly disappears right but also if you get close enough to it i don't 
I don't know. What mm. happens if you go close enough to it? Do you just know. does it just dissipate? I don't know. I don't know. If you're a scientist, then let me know. So just some quick media that it's been in. The Flying Dutchman has been captured in paintings and television series, and the ship also has made appearances in movies such as Pandora and the Flying Dutchman, which is 1951, and Dead Man's Chest, the 2006 Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean film. That's it. Also SpongeBob. Also SpongeBob, obviously. That's all I have for you. Love it. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) That was a lot of fun to do some research on. Yeah. Once I got... Hopping. Yeah. I liked it. Thank you. Appreciate that. I liked your story. Thanks. Next week is Christmas. That's so exciting. We have a special episode planned out for you guys. I'm excited. I already started my research. I've got a good old-fashioned moita. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Mm -hmm. I've got um, some folklore. Cool. Yeah. I'm really excited. No, it's not Krampus. Good. Woohoo. Ugh. And it's not St. So Nicholas. Overdone. Yeah. It's not cr- the history of Christmas. Good. No. I have something so much better. So Love much more it. fun. And I'm not going to... I already can't pronounce words that are English language. I have a lot of things that I won't be able to pronounce next week. Great. We'll work through it. I'm excited. Me too. Maybe I'll just have like each of these words on a tab of my f- on my phone, and when I get to it, I just, just play, play it. it. Play it. <laughs> play the pronunciation for wait, me. Wait, wait, wait! I gotta find this one. Uh, <laughs> no, it. I won't do that. But love um, it. You guys will hear me suffer. It's gonna be fun. It'll be so much fun. I'm very excited. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Gmail, and you can find us on Patreon now. Yeah, what is our email? Who knew podcast six 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 at gmail dot com. Yeah, and then Patreon, you can just look into our um link that we have in our bio and our Instagram, which is Who Knew Podcast. That's just the easiest way to find us. I tried searching for us on Patreon, and I don't know if it's just that we're not popular enough that you can't find them. But if you use the link, you can find us right away. Cool. Yeah. Um. That's that's it. Cool. Um. Bye, Ollie.